Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown with three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown. You get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at Wilmington and Beaches Vacation.com. In sports, if you want to be the best, there are no off days. Welcome into the No Off Days podcast. Chris Cato to my left, BK is in the booth. I am Scott Smith, and you are fresh back in from the Big D. Yeah? Do I smell you, like you, Texas? You, you, I had a little you Texas smell like on me? Pyrotechnics. That's what you smell like. Oh, man. How was the two day Metallica extravaganza? It was over the top. It yeah. was, uh, you know, I, I was worried it might not live up to expectation but that was foolish of me it was uh, so two night concert two yeah. night show different set list different set list each night if you want a complete breakdown i could go on for 10 minutes here but i'll try to give you the short yeah. version no, i won't give you the seven minute version of I inner sandman did you ride the lightning uh, did you? Uh, no thank goodness that wasn't required um friday night the show was eh, okay closed with master of puppets threw a couple of what i would call their tier two hits in there and okay. then played a lot of new stuff yeah they set you up for the second night oh but that sunday night show scott it gave us everything we wanted yeah were you did you mosh pit did you headbang what was kind of your what did you go to well it's funny if you see any of the videos from the show um we are of an age now where moshing doesn't no, no yeah, one even tries yeah, throw it no, back I, I kept waiting i was kind of because we were on the floor so i was looking around me and not wanting to get caught up in that and and then i see a lot of guys that are my age and slightly older with, oh, yeah. you know bad knees bad hips and so we didn't have to worry about that you know <laughs> and, and i gotta say have you ever been to the jerry world yeah oh my god beautiful i'm spoiled yeah I can't, how can I go to Raymond James Stadium but, without air conditioning? So here's the question because, you know, when watching a game there, I think your eyes are always going to drift up, right, at yeah. the giant screens. Were you, were you on the show or were you up? Well, they were wise. They shut off the giant scoreboard oh, up did there. They? they had these towers. I've seen this set up at other big stadium concerts like Taylor Swift. These towers around, the, so the stage is in the round, right? The towers around them that have, you know, images of the band members projected on it. But uh, most eyes are trained on the stage, and it was um, incredible. It was an incredible show. The, Got, old, the old men still have it, huh? Yeah, it's crazy. They're doing that in their 60s. And, yeah. you know, James still has the growl. Musha rain, damn, my da. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, good stuff, man. It was really good. Well, good. Uh, I'm glad that you were able to enjoy that. I mean, a, a two-night extravaganza is, uh, wow, that's def definitely one for the bucket list. Uh, by the way, we're getting some breaking news into the Nod Pod Studios here. Um, uh oh Will Levis, quarterback, Kentucky, uh, has inked a lifetime contract with Hellman's Mayonnaise. This is this is real. This is real news. What is it, we remember well because we we actually covered it here. I think it was initially breaking news on the Nod Pod that he, of course, uh, took his coffee with mayonnaise, a little dollop of mayonnaise, which of course everybody was incensed by. But he is now profiting by that. So brilliant move on his part. I, I think so. I mean, it's, what other kind of condiments could you possibly? I, this you have to put all the rookies now going into next year on notice. Hey, let's do something strange yeah. with a highly marketable brand. You're the sriracha guy now. Yeah. So yeah, you, you put sriracha in your tea. And you give me some Chick Fil A sauce. I'll put that on anything for sure, even in my coffee. Yeah. It, wait, does this mean so he doesn't have to buy? How much do we know? Do we see? Does he ever have to buy mayonnaise again? I think Is he this? gets it. Yeah, I think it's a lifetime supply of mayonnaise. Like okay. I, I don't know that it's. By the way, do you call it mayonnaise or mayonnaise? I just say mayo. <laughs> <laughs> Staying neutral. Yeah. So no more Costco trips for him for the ten gallon tub of mayonnaise. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Do you, are you a mayonnaise or a Miracle Whip? Guy? I can't stand mayonnaise. Okay. I, it's disgusting, and him putting it well, in his coffee. Well, you're calling it mayonnaise, too, so yeah, it's, that's it's, probably why. You know, I think Will should probably worry more about securing that backup quarterback job because it sounds like Malik <laughs> Willis may have surpassed him in that <laughs> race right there. In five years, I'm out of the league, but, man, look at my oh. closet full of mayo. <laughs> and look at my cholesterol. <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> Through the roof. Let's bring in BK. Uh, Brian, have you um, have you seen this, this deal that has come through for Levis? I saw a little bit of it before we came in here. Yeah, yeah mailman. Yeah, 
I like it. Do you like mayonnaise, Brian? I, I, you know what? Actually, I do. I'm not a Hellman's mayonnaise guy. I'm more of a Duke's. Oh, no. Guy. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. Team Duke's. Okay. Yeah, but uh, it's, yeah. It's, well, uh, I'm giving you 10 seconds to make your pitch to Duke's. Duke's, <laughs> <laughs> Duke's makes potato salad taste the best of any other mayonnaise. Okay. Salad. Well, that's now that's, uh, that's a real thing. If yeah. Brian gets a lifetime Duke's contract out of this, yeah. then he's I, like, but peace out, leaving the nod pod for Duke's. How long is a lifetime supply of? I mean, that's like six jars for me for a whole year <laughs> yeah i mean no. how, how much how quick do you go well if you mayonnaise? put it in your coffee and you have coffee every morning then and it goes pretty quick then it's you're like creamer your lifetime is shorter probably right, probably so <laughs> yeah that is true all right bk what we got on the big show oh good show man we got gary coke tampa bay treasure we have so many of these tampa bay treasures on each each time it seems yeah this guy is truly just a, a great guy great all, all around uh, person he uh, picked up this week, I believe, the Payne Stewart Award. Long overdue. Uh, great award for him. We'll talk to him. He's got some great stories and one of the most legendary calls ever in, in golf history. Yeah. We'll talk to him. Yeah. He's, uh, in addition to his broadcasting career, of course, played in the PGA Tour for many years. And uh, he resides in Tampa, and he does a lot for the, the youngins trying to get into the game of golf. So, um, He's a yeah. King High grad. Florida grad won a national title at Florida, I believe. So. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. He's a Gator. So, yeah. yeah. Looking forward to having him on. And then at the end of the show, BK. End of the show. We haven't done it in a while. How about some fake headlines or real headlines? I'll come up with a few of them. You tell me if they're fake or real. You, you should have saved that Will Levis headline. For, I should for have. As soon as I, we did the group text, I kicked myself. But Is there any um, alien headlines? Can we look uh, forward to any alien? No. No alien. That's usually week. our best riff. Yeah. That, that's our sweet spot I there. I this close to putting a Bigfoot headline in there. Okay. Well, right. Everyone would have known that's true. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Okay. Very good, BK. We'll Thanks catch lot, up guys. with you in just a minute. Uh, if you're listening and you want to watch, go to fox13news.com slash nodpod. If you're watching and you want to listen or subscribe, take out your phone, zap that QR code on the screen in the bottom right-hand corner, and there you can find all of our shows. And, and our show is to podcasts what Hellman's is to a sandwich. The ultimate sandwich spread. Discover the unbeatable taste of the Nod Pod and take your podcast to the next level. You think I earned something there? You may have just... Cha-ching. Please subscribe, fox13news.com slash nodpod. All right, so the big news as we we tape here on this Tuesday is that, uh, well, the cat's out of the bag. Baker Mayfield named the starting quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Not much of a surprise there. He was kind of the guy that everyone assumed would take over that starting role uh, once he signed in the offseason. I mean, this is, in my estimation, this is kind of a a low-risk, decently high reward. It was a one-year, $4 million contract to bring in a guy that has experience. He, he has a lot of tread left on the tires, and he's, he's shown in the past when he's comfortable in a scheme that he can produce for you and do some special things. So, I mean, our limited sample size here in this market was what we saw in practice, and mm-hmm. they did alternating you know, first-team reps between he and Kyle Trask. And then he's basically played a quarter in the preseason in the first two games. And I thought he looked he looked decent. Yeah. I mean, he was efficient. Part of it is what are we getting in this Dave Canales offense? Because it was very run heavy. I mean, he's going to boot. He's going to run out. He throws across his body. He does all the little things that I think Mayfield. That, that's probably why he won the job. I think he's going to be able to operate this offense a little bit better and do the things that that Canales wants versus Kyle Trask maybe limited in the mobility game. Um, but a lot of it's dump offs, not a lot of deep strikes. So, you know, it's. It's kind of hard to tell from just the body of work throughout preseason games. Yeah. Like, oh, is, is he a guy that's really going to do it? But, you know, he, he's earned it. Yeah, I think he has. I think it was a safe choice. And I think with the offensive line questions, you want a guy that can move around like that. You know, Trask is more of a traditional stand-in-the-pocket guy. And the Bucks have some real questions to answer on the right side of that offensive line and maybe in the center of the offensive line, too. So I think... Uh, Mayfield's mobility gives him an advantage over Trask, and I feel pretty good about it. I mean, maybe it's just like, you know, Homer optimism, but I, I don't think he's had weapons like before, like he's had here with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, you know, and so I look forward to seeing what they can produce, and I'm excited about the Dave Canales offense. I think, you know, Rashad White is going to take a lot of pressure off of, off of Baker. Yeah, they, they have to be able to run the ball, and we've seen it in glimpses in these preseason games. But again, I mean, everything is is so vanilla. I, I think really what what probably puts him over the edge is just the leadership. The and they've used this word a lot, moxie, when it, when describing Baker Mayfield. But you know, the guys there already like him. I mean, they liked him as soon as he showed up. So there's something about his personality that that his teammates want to be around and play for. 
uh, a, a little bit, um, you know, like it rubs off on the guys next to you. I think that goes a long way. And even if it were uh, close, you know, if this were actually a neck-and-neck competition in terms of production, I think you obviously give the edge to a guy in Baker who is on a one-year deal, approve a deal. He has every all the upside to, to accomplish what he wants to do still in front of him. Kyle Trask, you know, he's making a million dollars. He's still got another year of team control after this year. So if things flame out for Mayfield, yeah. I mean, you got a guy that has has worked hard and proven himself a capable backup in Kyle Trask. So I think it, it makes a lot of sense, but uh, they finally have unveiled the, the shrouded mystery that was the quarterback situation. Now it's time to move on and see what we can do on the field. We're going to move on to what we think will happen on the field this year with our division picks. So last week we obviously had our college caravan. We had to take a, a little dip. Uh, the week before that, um, I think you were, were you um, vacationing in Aruba? Was that, was that you? I think I was at another Metallica concert. I don't know where I was. <laughs> Just wherever they go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're going to jump back into what we think our predictions will be, but we, we have to knock out two divisions this week. So let's start in the AFC North. And uh, right. the, the floor is yours. And I think we maybe, you want to alternate? Let's alternate. Okay, let's do it. Although it's going to be hard for me to say my number four and my number three here without saying my how, number four How about and three. this? You just do all four of yours. Okay. And then we'll go back and we'll fill in with details. All right. And All let, right. let me not dwell too long on them because we've got two divisions to get to, That's as true. you mentioned. Although I do have six pages of notes My here on, on, on the Is Cleveland. Is that college rule? This is, just, <laughs> this is just the Cleveland Browns, too. <laughs> They're going to be great. No. Uh, so I go, I'm, this was tough, but I'm going in the four spot, four spot Cleveland in the AFC North. Um, I think Deshaun Watson will have a rebound kind of year. You know, he we had six games last year You're to kind of see him. But – uh, that was, you know, not an ideal situation, obviously, for him. So I, I think he's going to be good. Uh, not quite Texans level of Deshaun. They've got a good offensive line. Nick Chubb, fantasy football players, listen to this. Nick Chubb is going to have a monster year. You know, Kareem Hunt's out of the picture, and Chubb's going to get a huge workload here. Receivers are decent. Uh, I thought they upgraded their defense pretty well through three through free agency to give Miles Garrett some help. Their win total, Vegas has it at nine and a half. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's, so I, that's tough in this division. It's tough. That, and that's why I have them fourth. Not that they're going to be a bad team. I think they're going to be pretty good. But in this division, I see them in Pittsburgh. The reason I went with Pittsburgh at three instead of Cleveland at three is I have more faith in Mike Tomlin's ability to get the Steelers right than yeah. I do in a big Deshaun Watson rebound. Understandable. So, so there's my four and three. You want to jump in there? and No, just keep going, okay. man. You're All right. on a roll. All right, so I won't go too much into the Steelers. I just really like Deontay Johnson and George Pickens. I think Kenny Pickett showed at the end of last season that he's going to be capable. Yeah. And uh, I do think that uh, they made some good upgrades in the defensive total as well, in the defensive side of the ball too. All right. Number two in this division, this very tough division, I have the Ravens. They have their $260 million man. They also have a new offensive coordinator in Todd Munkin, which I really like because they took him away from Georgia. Thank mm, you. Now you got a chance. Yeah. Daylight. Signed OBJ. We'll see what he is, you know, in, into his uh, age 30s here, but drafted Zay Flowers. Um, Mark Andrews is still there. So I think we're seeing a transition from a run-heavy one of, the one of the last run-heavy offenses in the NFL to a more a spread out, more of a passing uh, That's what they want to do, but right. I, it's hard for me to imagine Lamar Jackson leading an offense that is not still very run-heavy. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of what he – it's baked into the cake a little bit, but go ahead, yeah. I think either way their offense is going to be better. Yeah. And I think Lamar is going to ball out and hopefully stay healthy for this to happen. So Vegas has their win total at 10.5. I think over. I think over is good. They were 9-4 okay. and four last year in the games that Lamar played before he got hurt. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm going Ravens to – I've got the Bengals in the one spot there. Is this the year they win the Super Bowl? We've seen how close they've been the last two seasons. Uh, they've upgraded the offensive line slightly to protect Burrow. There's some question about his – calf injury possibly in, in training camp, but I, I think that's going to be okay. You still got Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, um, Irv Smith Jr. They bring in a tight end. I like that. Don't have much depth at running back, um, so Mixon needs to have a rebound year, but their defense is the best, and it's so underrated. Their defense is so good at causing chaos for opposing quarterbacks, which is important because they face some of the best quarterbacks in the league yep. on the schedule here but i think they're going to have uh, another year where they're knocking on the door of a super bowl and i think it's an mvp year for burrow 
Okay. I don't have really much issue with any of that. That's exactly how I have the division shaking out. Um, I got the Browns, you know. Here's the thing. Deshaun Watson could show out, and then we could all look foolish because I I think they have some playmakers on defense. I think they've surrounded him with some guys that have a lot of upside too. I mean, they have added Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore. I mean, they have some guys, Nick Chubb, as you mentioned, one of the best running backs in the game. But I don't know. I also feel like Deshaun Watson could uh, become a cautionary tale too a Mm -hmm. little bit uh, in terms of why I mean I don't think that the league outside of Cleveland wants him to succeed because of the guaranteed money Uh, but he's got a this is show me time I mean in the final six weeks last year he had the 27th ranked QBR in the league Uh, so it's really upon Watson if if he shows out if he balls man uh, Cleveland could be a playoff team Um, but I have them in at four uh, I got Steelers also in at three. Uh, same reason. I mean, I'm just going with Mike T, man. I mean, Mike Tomlin, he's always producing a winner. He is uh, just as consistent as they come. I like the growth of Kenny Pickett. I'm probably a little bit more bullish on him. I think he's going to be a real good quarterback, and I think we see a big jump this year. Their, their offensive line is is uh, pretty outstanding. Uh, I like their offensive weapons in George Pickens, uh, you know, Pat Fryermuth, Najee Harris. Yeah, um, and, and I think their defense gets better just by having healthy parts back. Mm-hmm. TJ Watts back, Witherspoon, Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, they add Patrick Peterson, who's his best days are probably behind him, but I mean, he's a veteran presence to kind of stabilize the back end. Uh, as far as the Ravens go, um, you know, Lamar gets paid, but there, there's a lot of new, you know, there's a, it's, it's nice on paper to say, okay, let's bring in the best offensive coordinator in college in Todd Munkin and kind of bring in this new philosophy that's going to be more downfield strikes. It's going to be more pass heavy. Um, but there's always going to be an adjustment period. And then the other big thing is that, like, Lamar Jackson has missed at least five games the last two seasons. Yeah. So if he's out, I mean, this stock drops uh, pretty drastically on this team. I do like their defense, too. They brought in Jadavian Clowney, so add some pressure up front. Uh, but the Bengals are the class of this division still. I'm not worried at all about Joe Burrow's calf. I think he's going to be just fine. I mean, reports out of camp say that he's like – uh, he looks like he's in the best shape he's ever been in. So, and I mean, this guy's just, it seems like he's always kind of coming out of some type of injury and then he just balls. So, yeah. uh, Joe Burrow, I'm not worried at, at all about him. They have the best uh, receiving trio in my, you know, in the NFL as far as I'm concerned. Um, so, I think he's got plenty of weapons. Um, the run D is decent. Pass defense is a little shaky. So um, defense would probably be the only question there. Uh, they, major upgrade, by the way, uh, to their offensive line. Orlando Brown coming over. That's um, right. And yeah. so he's their starting left tackle. He's a four-time pro bowler with, was with Casey. was with the Ravens as well. So, yeah, I got the Bengals winning the AFC North. But, I, I mean, I could see – you know, two. I, I feel like I don't know how many divisions we've done where we've predicted we three, three winners. Yeah, we've had a couple like that. <laughs> Every division has three winners. Wait, the math doesn't work. Um, yeah, I do like the Steelers, man. I, I think that they they're like, but maybe they're like a year away. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna say the Ravens and Bengals probably represent uh, the AFC North in the playoffs. I think so. You ready to do some NFC North? I might as well. All right, let me lead this one off. Give you a breather as you turn. I the made next other chapter. <laughs> let, let me be honest here first. I didn't prep. I forgot we were doing NFC North today, okay. so I don't have as many pages. Just, just agree with every. Yeah. Agree with everything, or don't, and that would be on brand. Okay, okay. here we go. So, in the NFC North, I mean, look, your biggest loss in the division is Aaron Rodgers. I don't see how the Packers, even if Jordan Love is something special, but we just haven't seen yet. I just don't see how they can perform offensively um at that level i mean aaron Rodgers for as bad a year as last year was for him i mean he's he's still a hall of famer he's still a special quarterback and i think they take a significant step back offensively i like their running backs um you know aaron jones aj dale nice one-two punch christian watson ton of upside as a receiver but you got to have somebody to get the ball to him their defense is pretty good i will give them that but i got him last uh bears man I actually struggle with this because I almost wanted to put the Bears in last and put the Packers ahead of them just because I'm totally I'm not totally sold on Justin Fields. Um, but he does have some guys around him. I mean, they bring back Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney. They add DJ Moore, who is a longtime presence for the Carolina Panthers, solid receiver. Um, they have improved their offensive line. Their defense added a couple linebackers, Tremaine Edmonds and uh, TJ Edwards from the uh, Eagles. So that defense could be better. Maybe the defense wins a few for them, and I think they sneak into third. I got the Vikings taking a step back. They lost a lot of guys. I mean, 
I like Kirk Cousins. Um, I, I love Justin Jefferson, best receiver in the in the league, um, as far as I'm concerned. They've added Jordan Addison. I think is a potential upside in in that young receiver. But I mean, you lose Dalvin Cook, you lose Adam Thielen, you lose Zadarius Smith on defense. Uh, they lost Eric Kendricks. They've Patrick Peterson, as we just mentioned, uh, has has now switched teams too to the Steelers. So uh, I don't see how they don't take a little bit of a step back. I think the one team that's going to win a playoff spot in this NFC North is going to be the Lions. I think they win the actual division. you got a resurgent Jared Goff. I, I like their running back room. David Montgomery kind of understated signing, but uh, he does everything, man. And I love yeah. Jameer Gibbs. They love Jameer Gibbs for what they can use him for. I mean, maybe like a Reggie Bush type. I mean, he just kind of does a little bit of everything. Uh, significant in the pass game. Um, I, you know, their receivers also understated, but very good. Khalif Raymond, Amon St. Brown. Um, if Jamison Williams um, can ever stop gambling and come back <laughs> and not be injured, man, this yeah. guy has a ton of upside. So, you know, they won eight of their last ten games. Can you can you bring that over into this season? I don't think it works like that. But what it last year did do was say, hey, this is not Detroit of old. Like, there is a new regime here in town. Their coaching staff is fantastic. I love their coordinators. Ben Johnson could have been a head coach somewhere. Yeah. He decided he wanted to come back because he believes in what they're building. So, um, And I think the defense will be a little bit better than you think they'll be. Um, so they've added some pieces on the defensive back end, and Aiden Hutchinson, I think, is going to be a, a pro bowler. So that's how I see this division panning out. Schedule sets up pretty nicely for the Lions, too. I think, you know, they'll can, be out can, here. Uh, was that week six or something like that? Yeah, there it is. October 15th. Yeah. At Tampa Bay. Uh, I'll do my top two first. Um, and I, I agree with you. I agree with you on the Lions. I, I think when uh, you have, I think Jared Goff is a great story, right? I think last year he showed that he is a worthy redemption project. And I love all the weapons around him. And I do think when Jamison Williams come back, comes back after six games, yeah. That's going to take that offense to a, an even greater level. Love the Jameer Gibbs pickup. So versatile, twitchy guy. Twitch. Can really cut. Um, so I feel good about the Lions, and I do think the defense will be better. Got the Vikings in second. Almost put them third. I remember last year they won so many, like, one-score games. Right. And they were 13-4 and four somehow. And if you look at their defense, they shouldn't have been. We, we don't know how that happened. So there's no choice but for them to take a step back, I think. Um, they've got some quality players on offense, obviously. Good receivers. I like Kirk Cousins. How can you not watch the Netflix quarterback series and not like dorky, like, you yeah. know, dad bod? Yeah. It's Kirk he's, Cousins. He's like, he's, yeah, he's like a dad. You want basically. him to succeed. Uh, but, man, I don't think they did enough on defense to upgrade their defense. Uh, yeah. So I think the Vikings, their win total is at eight and a half right now. They won 13 last year. Do, do they lose eight? I don't know. Maybe they win nine. Uh, so I've got flip-flop with you at three and four. I'm going to put the Packers in third just because I think the Bears are going to be that bad again. Mm. And I, I, I'm curious about Jordan Love. You know, the, the Packers have been pretty good in picking uh, which next quarterback succeeds a legend. So even though we only have, what, a he's had one start and 80-something passes, yeah. you know, not much of a sample size, but – I like who he's got around him. I like Christian Watson, Tampa guy, Romeo yeah. Dobbs. Uh, they signed a couple more guys that should produce. Then you have Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Uh, the defense, remember last year, it's, it's loaded. Everyone says the defense is loaded. They had such a disappointing year for what that defense should have been. I yeah. think they'll take a step forward this year and be a little better. Yeah. Um, I think they win more than the seven and a half games that Vegas has them out there. I say eight, maybe nine wins. Nine wins would be great. Okay. And then I've got the Bears in last just because – I think Justin Fields is going to be better. Um, I, I think towards the end of last season, he showed progress in being able to pass the ball more efficiently and not just, you know, scramble and run and make something happen. They picked up, as you mentioned, some offensive weapons for him. I like Cole Komet at tight end a lot too. Um, but I think for them to win, they'll have to score a lot because they didn't upgrade their defense at all, especially in pass rush. They were last in the league in sacks, last in the league in yards allowed per pass because they can't pressure the quarterback. And they didn't bring anyone in who's proven that he can do that. So, got the Bears in fourth there. Okay. Yeah, I could have been persuaded that that way. I mean, I, either way, I think we, we – so, what was your win total on the Lions? Uh, let's see. They had um, – there's this high. There's this ten and a half. And so, yeah, I'm going over. Okay. Say 11 wins. Wow. Maybe, 
Yeah. All right. Big so year. It sounds like you, you might have three above 500 teams in the NFC North, which I would be shocked by. Well, now that we play 17 games, that happens more often. You'll get some 9-8 and eight teams. Like, the Vikings could easily go 9-8, and eight, I think. I don't think that's a stretch. Yeah, I just don't love the, the division as a whole. I mean, yeah. that's why I think they might get picked off by other, other stronger divisions. Um, okay, very good. So <laughs> next week we get back into, uh, what are we doing? We're doing the AFC South, We right? do, yeah. Because we're trying to end it end it with the nfc south we are going as to. we get you ready it's like this big tidal wave of nfl pr- predictions that won't come to pass you know as <laughs> yeah, we're gonna as gr- coin gets here are we gonna revisit we're gonna these all these uh, at the end of the year oh, yeah. God, i can't wait yeah. i love accountability <laughs> all right well from jared goff to pga golf oh, kind of that, that uh, was a stretch but okay a little bit let's talk a little golfing let's bring in our guest well, our guest today, longtime PGA Tour player turned broadcaster and the recipient of this year's Payne Stewart Award. We welcome in Tampa Zone and a Gator as well, Gary Coke. Gary, thank you so much. Uh, are you are you able to play during the summer a little bit? You brave these oh. Florida temps and get out uh, there? Scott, I tell you what, I've been living in Florida since I was eight years old, so over 60 years, and uh, I can't remember a summer as hot as this one. Uh, I get out occasionally. Uh, we're doing a lot more of those quick nine holers, though, than we used to. Yeah, yeah. Get out if you can get out. I think before the sun comes up, <laughs> it makes it hard to find <laughs> the ball. True. But you know, um, so I, I want to start with the Payne Stewart Award. This is uh, the recipient of these. It's for character, charity, sportsmanship, all of which uh, you have come to embody. And the way that it was announced to you, I thought was really cool. Kind of made for a viral moment. Payne Stewart's wife Tracy surprised you during an interview. Uh, take us through that moment and what was kind of going through your head when that happened. Well, um, PGA Tour Productions had uh, given me a call about two or three weeks prior and said that they were getting ready to uh, start working on the 50th anniversary video of the Players' Championship. The first one was back in uh, 1974. So, uh, you know, it was interesting. Uh, It seemed legitimate to me. So they came to the house with a crew, set up lights. I had some makeup on, and this lady was asking me questions about, uh, you know, playing in the Players' Championship, about covering the 17th hole for some 25 years. And lo and behold, about 10 or 15 minutes into the interview, my front door opens and Tracy Stewart walks in. (laughs) Well, for a guy who's been paid to talk for 30 years, it was pretty amazing because I was speechless. (laughs) I really was. (laughs) Uh, And as I've told other people, thank goodness with the cameras rolling, I didn't actually say what initially popped into my head, which was holy. (laughs) (laughs) But it didn't take long for me to recognize and realize why she was there. Um, And, uh, you know, it was just one of those moments in life where you are just truly humbled, uh, truly honored. And, you know, you start flashing back and thinking about, you know, things you've done in your career and how you've tried to conduct yourself and and how you've made an effort to try to help those others, you know, that are less fortunate than you. And, um, you know, at this stage in my life and career, uh, to receive this award is is truly a highlight. Well, between... uh you and your your family's foundation and the work you've done with First Tee here in Tampa, uh, it seems that you've, over the course of your your career, that you've made it a point to use your platform to better the game for others and to put people in better situations. Why has that been uh, such an esteemed value for you? Well, uh, Scott, to be honest, I think it probably started with my parents. Uh, My mother uh, really, uh, you know, was one of the kindest, gentlest, uh, most helpful people that I was ever around in my entire life. Um, And she instilled that in me, the importance of of trying to help others that are less fortunate. Um, You know, and then once I got on the PGA Tour, I mean, that really is, uh, you know, pretty much a bedrock of the culture of the PGA tour is giving back and, and helping charities. I mean, every single PGA tour event that's played, uh, they leave the town that they just played in better off than they were when they first got there. I mean, the dollars go to charity and in, in every single PGA tour, corn ferry tour event, every, every event that the PGA tour runs charities, local charities benefit. So, you know, when you, you've had that be part of your life for so long, it's only natural. And, and, and look, I'm not the only one by any means. I can name you, you know, hundreds of players that go back to their hometowns and try to do the same thing. They try to help those less fortunate. They, they try to help, especially youth, um, and especially youth that have an interest in the game of golf. So, 
Um, it, it's, you know, we're trying to move things forward. We're trying to ensure that the game of golf stays the way that it does. And, uh, you know, we're just uh, very fortunate that that is something that's ingrained in us from the very beginning on the PGA Tour. I've been fortunate enough to do it here uh, in Tampa. The man behind the name on that award, uh, what did Payne Stewart mean to you? Well, it was interesting. Um, I was fortunate. I actually had two very different relationships with Payne. First of all, uh, when he came out on tour, I was still playing. So I did have a number of opportunities to play against Payne and, and be around Payne as a player. And then later, uh, as I began my broadcasting career in the, in the uh, you know, mid-90s, um, I, I got to talk about pain you know as a player but from a different perspective and uh really came to appreciate you know how much of a gentleman he was uh, certainly how much of a fan favorite he was and there was good reason i mean he was he was an entertainer there was no doubt he was a showman he loved the spotlight and um you know the fans appreciated that so to to see him in in two very different environments uh, from my standpoint uh you came to really admire the man for all that he stood for. You know, the first tee program is one that is, it's a national program, obviously, and it runs throughout different communities. And, uh, you know, being that you kind of head up the one here in Tampa, uh, what, what do you feel like the impact of the first tee in Tampa has, has done to this? Community? Well, um, Scott, over the, you know, probably last 10 to 12 years, uh, since our new uh, executive director, not new anymore, but he was new at that point in time, Ian Baxter came in, uh, our chapter has gotten very organized. We have gotten uh, tremendous support from the local community. We have three different uh, support groups. Uh, we have a board of directors, we have an advisory board, and we have a junior advisory board. So we have a lot of people who uh, love the game of golf, and they also love to see you know youngsters get involved in the game. But and you know this, I'm sure, but first tee is a lot more than just introducing these kids to golf. It's about the nine core values, integrity and honesty and perseverance and those type things, which, you know, we get to try to instill in these youngsters starting at oftentimes a very young age, six, seven years of old, uh, of age when they first get started in the program. And these are the kind of life lessons. If these kids can learn these things and stick with them, um, it's going to help them later in life. The other thing we've done uh, here at our first tea chapter that I'm very, very proud of as chairman of the board of directors is our scholarship program. Um, we have committed as a, as a group, as an organization, uh, to giving out at least $100,000 a year in college scholarships to kids who have been part of our first tea program. This, uh, this, this current year, we will actually give out $117,500 worth of scholarships uh, we'll be helping 20-plus uh, youngsters uh, as they try to continue with their education. And, you know, the notes I get from from family and from the youngsters themselves uh, about, you know, what they've been able to do because of our help, uh, it just makes you feel great. And, and the other thing we're finding, a lot of these kids that are being helped uh, with these scholarships, when they come home from school during the summer, they go out to the first tee and they volunteer. Mm. They're part of the summer camps and the group lessons. And they show the younger kids what's possible. If they do the right things, if they study hard, uh, there's opportunity there. So uh, we're, we're making a difference in a lot of young people's lives. And um, I, I think every supporter of the first tee here in Tampa would tell you that uh, it, it makes us feel very good. This is not an easy game to play. And, you know, for, for beginners, I mean, I have an 8- and a 10-year-old that I, I want to start to introduce this sport to, and it's it's kind of uh, a little bit imposing to take them to, you know, an 18-hole course. But you have been part of some course designs. In fact, locally here at the Rogers Park, you have a 9-hole course, um, the, the little par 3. Tell us a little bit about that and, and how playable that might be for maybe an introductory, you know, young, younger kid to come in and, and learn the game that way. Absolutely, Scott. Um, you know, we noticed, uh, especially during uh, the COVID, uh, uh, you know, period of time, um, ironically, COVID was so horrible for so many things, but for golf, it seemed to be a boom, which was uh, amazing. It was a way for people to get outside and be out and move around and, and maybe not be too close together. 
but we found that um, a lot of the courses, uh, you know, it was hard to get the young kids, the real young kids on because they were uh, experiencing so much growth in the number of rounds being played. So we came up with the idea of trying to do a little nine hole par three course out at Rogers Park at the home of our first tee facility. Um, I elicited uh, my dear friend and former uh, Florida teammate, uh, Steve Smyers, noted architect, to uh, come with me and, and see if this uh, six and a half acre piece in the middle of the existing course uh, could possibly, you know, have a par three on it. And uh, could we do nine holes? And with Steve's help, we were able to design uh, nine very interesting holes. The longest will be about 120 yards, the shortest about 65 or 70 um, it's a perfect place for uh, young people, uh, young youngsters, six, seven, eight years of age who want to get interested in the game uh, to, to have a chance to learn. There's there's room for them to play. Um, our first tee kids will, will have priority uh, to use the facility. It will be open to the public uh, through the Tampa Sports Authority, who's also a partner with us in the project. But uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful opportunity for, for some of these youngsters to experience playing golf without having to go out on a big course and, and perhaps getting in the way of paying customers. Uh, you uh, had a, a very long, successful broadcasting career, uh, 33 years. And, you know, I think it, it you there's so many highlights and I hate to have it like boil down to one thing. But you, your signature call, of course, was the Players Championship back in 01. Tigers 60 foot putt there on 17. Better than most. Take us through that a little bit. Give <laughs> us a little background and and why that was the call that felt appropriate at that moment. OK, well, uh, interestingly, I, I mean, it, it's a fairly long story. I hope you've got a little bit of time. <laughs> Uh, Tiger came to the tee that day uh, in the uh, uh, next to last group, and um, the whole location on the island green was down in the very front, which is always considered to be the easiest hole location because there's a ridge behind the hole about some 20 feet or so uh, that you could hit the ball into, and then the ball would come back down the slope toward the hole. Well, for some reason that day, Tiger decided to pull a nine iron out of his bag. Uh, we got the information very quickly, and I kind of questioned with Roger Malby about the use of a nine iron as, you know, I'd been watching the hole all day long, and most of the players had been hitting pitching wedge, and some had even been using a sand wedge. So it seemed like an, a, a lot of club for Tiger to, uh, to try to hit this shot. Well, sure enough, he hit it, and the ball landed up on top of the ridge and went all the way to the very back portion of the green. Well, I had seen during the course of the day probably four other players putt from uh, you know similar position on the green, and all four had literally putted the ball off the green. They had not been able to keep the ball on the putting surface. Most had not played enough break to the right, and the ball had missed the hole well to the right and run down into the fringe. Well, back then, uh, we often went to commercial after the players teed off on 17. It was a perfect time for that as it took about you know a minute and a half, two minutes for the guys to walk from the tee all the way around the water to get up onto the island green. So as we went to commercial, I hit our producer, Tommy Roy, on the talk back and said, Tommy, you know, I've seen four guys putt from up there. Nobody has kept the ball on the green. It's a very difficult putt. He said, great. When we get back from commercial, we shouldn't have enough time. We'll set this up. So I described, uh, as I just did to you, what had happened with the previous players. And um, uh, Roger Malby made a comment or two. And, and we, we watched Tiger kind of at the crest of the ridge, kind of visualizing where he wanted the ball and what it was going to do when it came over the, the top of the ridge. So he settles in. We get very quiet. And Tiger hits the putt. And as Johnny Miller was wont to do back in those days, uh, and why I was always on my toes, he posed a question as the ball was about six feet off of Tiger's putter. How's that look, Gary? <laughs> well, at the point at that point, the ball was farther left than I had seen any other players putt that had putted from in that in that area of the green. So I said it's you know better than most. Well, then it crested the hill and it started going down the hill. And it was obvious that it was well to the left of where I'd seen any other putt. So that was better than most. And then it went in the hole and it was clearly better than most. <laughs> so um, each time, I think if you go back and watch it, my voice gets a little louder and my excitement level gets a little higher. And then, of course, the putt goes in and 
if you go back and watch it on uh, YouTube, it, what's really interesting to me, no one says a word for almost 40 seconds, mm -hmm. which in television time is a long time. Yeah. But our, uh, our producer, Bucky Guntz at the time did a great job of capturing the, uh, the crowd's reaction. And remember back in 2001 at the players, there weren't all the corporate skyboxes up on top of that hill to the left of the hole. So the whole hillside was covered with people, as was the hill behind the green. So, you know, you easily could have had close to 10,000 people uh, right there on that one hole. And of course, they all reacted as Tiger reacted with the classic fist pump that he was so noted for at that point in time. And uh, we all just kind of sat back and, and watched the replays and, and, and the reaction of the crowd and Tiger's reaction. And then finally I heard my producer say, okay, Gary, go ahead. And, and I, I said to Johnny, you know, I, I think it's safe to say you could hit that putt a hundred times and only make it once. Hmm. But back then that was the type of things Tiger did. He did things that no other player could do. So uh, I was just very fortunate to be uh, a part of one of his great moments. Gary, it's it's moments like that. It, it's the Masters putts. It's it's all the it's it's the the career of Tiger and the 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 ability to kind of ignite the crowd and bring this sport to whole new levels that people now still kind of reminisce and they don't want to let that go. When you look at, at Tiger and where he is now and obviously all the injuries and the unfortunate things that he's had to battle through, do you think it's do you think that, that those moments are still in his future, that there will be some, or is are those are those years maybe past? Yeah, I hate to say this, Scott, but I would think that uh, those magical things that we once saw Tiger do are probably a thing of the past. And and I say that for a combination of, of reasons, uh, you know, one, his age two his physical ailments that he's had to deal with here in the last 10 years. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he just doesn't play that much anymore. And he admits it. His, his game is very different than it was in, at his peak in, say, the late 90s and, and early to mid-2000s. I mean, he doesn't hit the ball nearly as far. Uh, his strength and his ability to move are, are very different. They're very limited now. So, unfortunately, um, I would say that uh, the chances of us seeing, you know, occasionally something that Tiger used to do, maybe, but uh, on a regular basis, no, I just don't see it. I mean, you go back and you watch, you know, when he won that Masters in, in 2019, which came out of nowhere to, to most people, it was a perfect storm. I mean, yeah. Tiger played well, no question about it, but he didn't do anything magical. He just kind of plodded along, managed his game, managed uh, the Augusta National course, and kind of let the other players make the mistakes. Um and I think that is how, you know, we will see if and when we get to see Tiger play more. I'm curious for you that has experienced both sides of this game, both the broadcasting and the actual playing and, you know, and competing and, and, you know, running top 10 in majors. When you are most nostalgic about moments in your own career, are they on the broadcast side or are they in the playing side? Hmm. You know, that's a great question. And um I have to say that, you know, they're very different. Um, you know, the playing side is a very individualistic part. Um, you're out there. Yes, you've got your caddy with you and, and maybe your wife and family are following you. But the, the bottom line is it's you against everybody else. Um, whereas television to me, and one of the reasons why I enjoy doing it so much, it's the ultimate team effort. Um, you know, I've often told people when they sit at home and they hit the clicker and, and the golf tournament comes on and in the days when they used to listen to Johnny Miller and myself and Roger Maltby and so forth and so on, um, you, you know, you think we're the broadcast, but we're not uh, typical PGA tour event. Uh, NBC would have probably 120 to 125 people working majors, Ryder cups, president's cups. It would be upward of 200 people. And every one of those people had to do their job and do it well for that clicker to put that TV screen on and have that golf tournament come on. So, um, you know, the accomplishments were very different. Uh, I, hey, I had some great moments as a player and uh, moments that I'll always treasure. But I think the moments in television when you're part of a team and you know you've done a great job, um, that that's very hard to beat. 
the team sport of broadcasting, and you did it quite well. Um, congratulations on the Payne Stewart Award. Well honored, well deserved, and uh, we're so glad that you represent Tampa and do it so well. Thank you, Gary Coke, for your time. Thank you, Scott. My pleasure. Man, I can't wait to get out there and play that Rogers Park par three. Um, it's always fun to have a nice par three course that you can get out there. You don't have to be out there for four hours, um, but you know, see what Gary has done design-wise and have a chance to maybe take the kiddos out as they learn the game of golf. Take your so. co-host out too, buddy. You want to go? Yeah, sure. Okay. I all love right. a par three. We'll, yeah, we'll just all you need to take is a nine iron and a putter. Okay, no bag. We'll just go and one ball. I think you're. If you lose it, you're. Here. <laughs> if you lose it, you're done. Let's bring in BK. Um, all right, BK. So off the top, you, you teased uh, fake or real headlines. This is one of our our favorite bits at the end of the show. Um, so tee it up, my friend. Let's get right to it. All right, first one, guys. If you've tried to pick up a gallon of pink paint lately, you can't. That's because there's a global shortage of the color, and the reason why. The Barbie movie. Mm. Yes. Mm -hmm. The crews use so much of the pink shade in painting the numerous sets <laughs> for the movie, the world simply ran out. Now, Barbie fans wanted to bring a little bit of the Barbie world into their world or having trouble finding the shades of the pink paint. True or false? <laughs> I'm sorry. I just love the side columns that you have. <laughs> what do they hey, say? It says Chris Kato sings the wrong words to Sandman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I could see. Interlight, exit night. That's right, right? No. Um, I, man, that seems like a, a very believable thing. I mean, Barbie, I've not seen it, but um, I know that it's it's all the buzz and all the all the folks are seeing it. So I'm going to say it's a real headline, man. Yeah, you know, he had me at real and until he said it was caused by the crew painting the set. Like they, They're not using real paint on these sets. Now, if you had told me it's because the fans have gone nuts and bought all the pink paint, I would buy that. Although then I would also say, just why don't you just buy or red and white and mix them? Oops, um, that's a lot of so work. So I'm saying fake. Have you ever tried to mix paint? That's why you got to have the shaker machines. I've, I've tried it's, to. You can't yeah. do it by your. I no. know you got, you've got. you been working on your, your pipes there, buddy, but uh, no, man. You need the shaker machine. Yet I can always turn my white underwear pink <laughs> by washing it with the colors. I'm good at that. I don't think you, that was. <laughs> you don't that think wasn't I, a mistake. No. You don't think I own white underwear. Yeah. All right, so I'm saying fake a headline, courtesy of Brian. 100% true. No! Yes. They did the movie during the COVID time, and so during all the supply chain issues. Ah, and stuff. so you yeah. didn't factor in supply right. chain. I forgot that so, that's still a thing. But it's starting to come back now, so pink is coming okay. back from supply. Okay. Uh -huh. Pretty Ready for pink. another one? By the way, are you wearing pink, BK? Uh, this is peach or sure. something like that. Okay. You okay? Is that all right? I'm good. There was no pink available. It's all been kind of salmon-y. It's a little, little salmon-y. Yeah. Enter a salmon man. <laughs> okay, the popularity of pickleball is glowing, growing globally. Saudi Arabia is the biggest hotbed for the sport. And guys, the Saudi Public Investment Group, it's the same people behind Live Golf, is starting a pickleball league. And they've already lured away one of the top American players to play. J.W. Johnson, top rank in the world is leaving the pickleball league here in the states to play in the middle east his four-year deal now get this 17 million dollars per year wow that's more than what mike evans makes is that true or false well look I, all of it seems very believable we know that saudi arabia wants to get into this the sporting world uh more robustly um there's a lot of details in that that pitch there bk so um I, 17 million dollars for a pickleball player yeah. I mean, not even Saudi Arabia would do that. So I'm going to say fake. Actually, I think they would. But J.W. Johnson, like, is that, a, is that our best pickleball player? I'm oh, pretty yeah, sure. he's good. Very, very oh, good. Oh, it is? J.W.? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Well, since Scott said he's real, then I'm saying that's a real headline. That's a fake headline. Oh, no! boom! Me. You baited me in. Johnson is the top-ranked American. Yeah. But J.W. That, that, that reeked of BK doing just enough research yeah. to know who J.W. Marriott, what was his name? We all made fun of him the last name I came up with, so then I had to come up with the real name of this guy, right? Yeah, and we know JW would never take that no, Saudi money. No, I, but that. I think you're just giving them a good idea because uh, this will be a real headline in at least a year. You so, think so? Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. Man, I'm over Especially two. if they can get Giannis to play a little pickleball. Yeah, he might do that. Yeah, might, for sure. Yeah. Can you imagine the wingspan? That wingspan on a pickleball court? He doesn't court have would to be, move, man. <laughs> that would be unfair. Put a paddle in each hand. <laughs> okay, the NFL, you know, is always looking to make the game safer. This new plan they have out it may not be uh, what people have in mind. NFL is planning on working with the XFL 
to increase the field size. Reason behind this is that the number of head injuries and significant injuries in the Canadian Football League is significantly less than what's happening in the NFL. And let me get his name right. Alan Sims, NFL's director of safety, says the CFL concussion numbers are lower, and he believes that's the the reason behind that is because of the larger field size in the Canadian Football League. Now, does this? Uh, do they have the uh, field goal upright in the middle of their they end do, zone? Okay, but nobody's run into that. Well, they, people run into it, but the thing is, they say for the XFL. <laughs> but that's just a shoulder separation. That's no. not yeah. a concussion. Yeah. But they say the XFL field is going to be next season now, 110 yards long and 65 yards wide. However, the end zones, because you know Canadian end zones are like 15 yards deep, they will be the same 10 yards, and the goalpost will be in the back of the end zone. True or false? Well, I hate it, and I haven't heard of it, so I'm going to say it's False. I'm going to say fake news. Um, I just think that I know that NFL doesn't care as much about like the history and the stats and all that as, as like sports like baseball. But I think that significantly messes with things a little bit. But it also is, you know, it's going to put guys in, in more space and probably get bigger offensive numbers. But I'm going to say fake news. Yeah, um, I'm not sure I fully understood much of that. So are you saying the NFL is considering widening the field? Widening the field and linking okay. it to give, like Scott just said, more players no. to run. More players in no, space. No, that's, that's fake. They're not going to do that. Uh, the XFL might. I don't know what the XFL is cooking up. but yeah. um, You know, the CFL I'd, has a moose that plays safety, too. It really? Yeah, every team has a moose. Is it Moose Johnson? <laughs> returning? No, just a regular. Oh. Yeah. Look uh, out. That's completely false, guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. you got me. Although you did sneak another real name in there, I that think. Was a was a, yeah, name. you were like, oh, let me get my <laughs> NFL rules official. Oh, Alan Sims. Yes, that's him. <laughs> Wait, Alan Sims, was he the doctor? He, he was like the doctor over like uh, like He's, the COVID plan. Yeah, there was NFL. Yeah. Yeah, it was the first name I found. Yeah, now he's like, we got to find something else from Dang it. Ah, okay, y'all CFL got news. Yeah. That's is it. it. Okay. That it? Oh. All right. Well, I'm okay. glad I finally got yeah. one. I Thanks, guys. I Those were good. I got them all right. You, yeah, you yeah. did. Yeah. Give, give me a pat on the back. Your truth sniffer is second to none. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> we will leave this show here today, go back into the office, and Brian will say, I'm never doing that segment again. <laughs> I just know. Oh, he's going to be down on himself because I sniffed it out. But yep. um, no, yeah. that was it's He puts so fun. much work into trying to fool you. He does. He but, short. I mean, look, the, the Nod Pod Gazette, if, if you have not picked up a publication yeah. yet a new, it's out at newsstands now i mean look at it it's quality stuff that's true there are still newsstands out there yeah it's printed uh weekly right uh, or monthly yeah <laughs> annually and, and it's on the finest pulp wood yes that they uh, could manufacture yeah, absolutely go out and get you some um well if you would like to watch a full-length episode of this here podcast head to fox13news.com slash nodpod qr code on the screen again you could subscribe on itunes google play and Spotify, uh, you get us every week in audio foam there, form there, and foam. And then you can also check us out on the social media pages. But we need to do a better job of updating some of those things. Yeah, I always say that. I think we and still. And then I never, I never do. Well, it's hard. It is it's difficult. They keep switching the names of things on us. Like Twitter is not Twitter now. X. We don't know what yeah. to do. Well, we're not on. It. Yeah, we're on X. Are we? <laughs> I think. Uh, yeah, as you can tell. <laughs> we need an intern. Please apply. <laughs> Much thanks to our guest today, Gary Koch, and congratulations on the Payne Stewart Award. Uh, much thanks to our studio crew here, uh, or my co-host that is uh, wearing the T-shirt yet again to remind me, uh, Chris Cato and then BK in the booth. Until the next time we are on, there are no off days. Never an off day. And to light Sandman's night.